think we could all use a little guarantee. All the way action. Let's go. The dancing is back. The fun is back. The nerd is back. They're all together again. Grease is still the word. Grease too. You'll love it. Rated PG. Starts today at selected theaters in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Check newspapers. Welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we watch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy and I'm joined by Jen. I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Grease 2, which was released in the US on June 11th, 1982, the UK on July 29th, 1982, and in Ireland on October 10th, 1982. It was written by Ken Finkelman and directed by Patricia Birch. It stars Maxwell Caulfield, Michelle Pfeiffer, Adrian's Med, Maureen Teefee, Christopher McDonald, and Dee Dee Khan. What's going to happen is this. Jen and I fought three problems this movie has three each, and we're going to discuss them as well as one positive. And the synopsis says, British student Michael likes Stephanie. However, things unfold in an unexpected way when he encounters cliques that prevent them from dating. So, Jen. Yeah? For people who didn't listen to the last show, this is... Uh, we had a wheel, and we spun the wheel over as movies we hadn't seen before, and it fell on... Jen's pick, and Jen picked Grease 2 from the wheel. And to be fair, you would have picked Grease 2. I would have picked Grease 2 as well, because we both wanted to talk about mm-hmm. it. Because we'd never seen it. For whatever reason, we've never seen it. Um, so despite the fact that you haven't seen this, Jen, do you have any history? Is there any reason why you haven't seen it? Um, because I don't like Grease. Um, I I actually had thought about re-watching it for the podcast uh, just in preparation for this, but I didn't do it, and I kind of regret that. But um, yeah, I didn't because I feel like I need to give another shot. It's been like twenty years since I saw it, um, but I didn't like Grease, and I remember when I probably in the late nineties finding out that this movie existed and being intrigued because Maxwell Caulfield starred in it, and he was Rex Manning in Empire Records, mm-hmm. which I was obsessed with. Yeah, and I thought about watching it, but uh. I just hated Grease so much. I couldn't bring myself to. But I've wanted to watch it over the years because um, I've heard a lot of people say it's really good, including my husband, and he hates Grease. And he actually really likes Mm -hmm. this movie. I've talked to several people who hated Grease, and they really like this movie. So I've been wanting to watch it. And then uh, I think it might have been overhyped. Like, I think if I just had a couple people tell me it was really good, I would have liked it a lot more. But the expectations were really, really high after, you know, decades of hearing people say it was really good. Yeah. What about you? Um, I saw the opening number on TV when it was on TV once because <laughs> I remember it and that's it. I didn't watch the rest. I, I may have had some other things to do at the time or it was the fact that I hate Grease mm-hmm. with a fiery passion. You know, we, uh, it's weird that you say that there's a lot of people that you ask that don't like Grease, whereas in my experience, it's the other way. There's lots of people who do like Grease. It's like, it has a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't get it. Although I'm bitter because I was actually in a stage production of Grease <laughs> in high school where I played the coach and none of us could sing. So we all just mimed along to the, oh, no. to the soundtrack of Grease. <laughs> terrible. It absolutely was terrible, yes. Yes, but I only had one line or something. I only had one line as a coach because I just wasn't doing anything else. I wasn't. Um, but then it was because I was the only guy in my drama class, uh, both Danny and Sandy were played by women. <laughs> go. They were, all the men's parts were played by women, apart from Coach, who was me, and the uh, creator face guy, who was played by this older student. Okay. But then the rest of the cast were women. <laughs> and it was awful. Mm-hmm. So... I can imagine. I couldn't finish this movie when I started watching it a few nights ago, Jen. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. It just started to... I wanted to like it so much and there's parts of it I do like. And I think it's some of the reason why some people like this over original Grease is... some. We'll get into that later because I think I have a theory. Um, but We'll just, I've, I've, been, um, I've talked a lot, so you start with your first problem. <laughs> okay, my first problem is multiple problems. Um, I had a, a few problems that um, I realized are all connected and kind of need to all be talked about at once. So um, okay. my first problem is Frenchie. Um, they brought Frenchie back for this movie. Um, which I get. I mean, I don't think they need it since they have like teachers and the principal and stuff from the original movie. But I, I, I get why they yeah. would want to have somebody from the original movie in it. But my first problem with Frenchie being there is that it's, she's gone back to school, but like she would get her GED. Right. That makes no sense to me. Like she would get her GED and I looked it up. The GED existed at this time. So she would have gotten her GED instead of going back to high school. And that's why I never watched the show Strangers with Candy. Because, like, the premise of that is, like, a woman's been in a coma or something for decades, and she comes out of it and goes back to school because she was a high school student when she went into the coma, and that's not what would happen. And I know it's fiction, I know it's, like, an absurd show, but my mind just can't get past that. So that's my first problem with Frenchie. My second problem with Frenchie is that um, when they filmed this movie, because I did my research... Uh, when they filmed this movie, they didn't have an entire script written. Um, this movie is impressive considering they weren't totally prepared when they started it. Um, and mm-hmm. Frenchie was supposed to be a big part of the movie. And then as they were filming, they realized they didn't need her. And so they cut her, like, she just disappears halfway through the movie. Yeah, she does. One of my problems here that is connected to this is, that it makes no sense to me that Michael knows how to ride like that out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. one of the scenes that was cut out with Frenchie was that she teaches him how to ride. And she even had a whole right. musical number and um, that was cut out. And right. th- I feel bad for the actress because she's never even seen it. She was like, I don't even know that there was film on the camera. <laughs> like that it. <laughs> so my problem is that, like, the reason for Frenchie being there is stupid because she could easily be some sort of teacher or something. You know, they could have done that and still had yeah. her be there. But also the fact that they have her there and then they just, like, get rid of her when she had a scene that actually, like, fills a really important plot hole. Yeah. So, basically, my problem is uh, 
they fucked up with Frenchie. Um, and I would also like to say in doing my- Guess what my second problem is, Jen. <laughs> they fucked up with Frenchie? Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's so funny, I finished the movie and I was like, well, I should read some stuff about it. And I was like, I bet Entertainment Weekly has a, has an oral history. And sure enough, they did. They did not disappoint because everyone was, a lot of times when they do those oral histories, most of the actors they get to talk about it are secondary actors. They usually mm-hmm. don't, they don't always get the stars, but Michelle Pfeiffer and Maxwell Caulfield did do that oral history. So it was actually really interesting. Um, but yeah, they just, they just messed up with Frenchie. Yeah. And they both hate it as well. They hate the movie. Well, there are quotes that are bad. But I think they've, mm-hmm. there was one with Michelle Pfeiffer that she says was taken out of context. And I can actually see how it was taken out of context. Like I do, I cool. do believe her. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's one of those things where like a lot of actors, they do something and then later they become ashamed of it or maybe just don't want to talk about it. like David Boreanaz. It's hard to get him to talk about Angel, right? Mm-hmm. Cause, and a lot of times it's because they don't want to be known for that role, like exclusively. Sometimes it's just that it was earlier in their career and it was embarrassing. And I think that as people, I've noticed in recent years as actors get older, um, and especially I, they say they have people come up to them, but I know it's also probably in huge part because of social media they have people tweet at them or write on instagram all the time that they love these movies and i think that they come to appreciate them again and it seems like that's maybe what has happened Mm -hmm. with those actors that they appreciate the movie now that they understand that it actually is beloved and that it is reaching new audiences i know maxwell caulfield said that um it ruined his career Mm -hmm. but that i don't think that necessarily means he like hates it hates it I think, but I, I can see how it would have ruined his career. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he hates. I think he resents it. He resents. It. That's, that's he, a better word. Yeah. Resent. He resents it. Um, but Michelle Pfeiffer in that oral history did speak well of the movie. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. But yeah, I think it sounds like they appreciate it now. It's kind of like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, she didn't want to talk about Buffy for a long time. And now she talks about Buffy all the time. Yeah, she does. Yeah. That's good though. Yeah, it is. It is. But then again, a lot of the a lot of the behind the scenes stuff in Buffy is probably why people don't want to talk about it as much. Yeah. Because Michelle Trachtenberg doesn't talk about Buffy either. Well, it sounds like something very reasons. traumatic happened to her. <laughs> yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's not okay. Um, <laughs> we could do an entire. We could. We could sit and talk about Buffy for hours. <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody would listen to it. So my second problem was Frenchie just disappearing and just not being used at all. And but I didn't know that that. But I'm still keeping it as my problem because it's a it's a waste. And Didi Con, mm-hmm. um, apart from Greece, I know her from the animated Hanna Barbera series Fawns and the Happy Days Gang. Okay, the Hanna Barbera made uh, they had a deal with Paramount Television. And they made some animated versions of, uh, there was Laverne and Shirley there in the army. Like, uh, because, that's because, uh, Private Benjamin was big at the time. Um, and there was Fawns and the Happy Days Gang, and there was a Mork and Mindy cartoon. And the Fawns and the Happy Days Gang was Fawns, Richie, Ralph Malf, Fawns' dog, Mr. Cool, <laughs> who was voiced by Frank Welker. Okay. Um, they meet, uh, they meet a, a um, time traveling woman from the future called uh, Cupcake, and she was voiced by Didi Con. 
and they go travelling back in time with her, so which is very weird. But then again, Mork was actually in Happy Days, so you know they they did sort of stretch mm-hmm. in reality there. But yeah, that's how I remember <laughs> the voice of Cupcake. Okay. So, what is your second problem? Um, this is such a small thing, but so Michael has really good penmanship. Mm-hmm. I I just I wish there was some sort of reassurance that the T Birds were smart enough to rewrite the papers in their own handwriting. Mm-hmm. Because if they're just turning in yeah. the papers as he gives them to them, then then they would get caught. Yeah, but is there not a not a part where he's like writing in a different? He's writing differently as well, though. Was he? So it looks as though he. I think so. He writes the um. He writes the way the like by moose. He writes like that sort of thing differently. Oh well, then never mind. I'll just change it to I don't like the song reproduction. I don't like the songs. Period. As a musical, mm-hmm. this is very poorly done. Everything, and I know that this is how musicals are made. I know not everything can be Les Mis, but everything sounds like it was recorded in a studio. There's like the sound mix and the fact that people aren't really caring about like moving their lips to the songs. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's, it just looks really fake and artificial. And the original Grease did it much, much better and had much better songs. I actually do like a lot of the songs in the original Grease. Me too. But I don't like the movie. <laughs> but I do like the songs. I think a lot of the Grease songs are banging, as kids say these <laughs> days. But the, um, but the songs in this are really forgettable. They are forgettable. Like, there were a few that I liked okay, but like, I'm not going to be singing them later. Like, I don't remember how any of these songs go. No. I, usually when you've watched a, a good musical, you get at least one of the songs in your head as you're, you know, walking away from that movie. Yeah, well, Cool Rider's sort of got in my head every now and then. But just the way she sings Cool Rider, <laughs> that's uh, it's just that bit. <laughs> but yeah, so what is it about the song reproduction you don't like? I don't know. There's Is it the fact that all these 18-year-olds are now just learning about reproduction? Well, I guess I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. I don't know. It made me uncomfortable. Like, first, I don't like the beginning. Mm. Like, the teacher explaining it to them. I was like, this song is lame. And if the whole movie is this, then it's going to suck. Then when they get all horny and shit, I don't know. There was something about it that I just didn't like. And it's so funny. I was reading in the oral history. Apparently, the um, the week they did that number, they all got really horny and a bunch of the cast members slept together. (laughs) Which is so weird. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, the power of song, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, Tab Hunter, who played the, the teacher in that scene, he was a heartthrob back in the 50s. Okay. Um, and he was actually gay. Okay. The the filmmaker, uh, behind the scenes, everybody knew he was gay, but publicly nobody knew. Mm-hmm. But everyone in Hollywood knew he was gay. So them casting him as someone talking about uh, male-female reproduction and also him getting a female love interest was a big inside joke by the filmmaker. Okay. And he just loved poking fun at himself, really. Mm -hmm. So he had a relationship with Anthony Perkins. Okay. From Psycho for a couple of years. But he also had to pretend, obviously, that he was straight. So he had a fake relationship with Natalie Wood to keep up the pretense that he was straight. Behind the scenes, he was with Anthony Perkins. That's so sad. Yeah. 
There's a Netflix documentary about him, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I just found out about it like this morning, and I just didn't, I didn't so I didn't have time to watch it. But I'm gonna have a, I'll give it a watch because apparently it's really good because he's a really interesting guy, and it's also about like how homosexuality was perceived back then mm-hmm. and Hollywood and everything. So that's a, it could be a good good listen. Peter Frechette, who plays Demucci, is openly gay. He's the one that sings that awful song um, about. Doing it for your country. Okay. He's the one that tries to pressurise uh, Lucy Lane from Supergirl into um, having sex with him. Uh, but he's openly gay and he was in a controversial episode of 30-something in 1989 because he was seen in bed with another man. <gasps> and that that was the first time that ever happened in primetime TV in America. Uh, some advertisers actually refused to run commercials during it. Because people were homophobic dickheads, um, but he got a, a he got Emmy nominated for best guest star for that part. Yeah, yeah. So good for him. Good for him. Yeah, the songs are garbage. I think. There's, I mean, there's a couple that are good, but it's it's more it's more the fact that it's just not a very good musical, mm-hmm. like the way it's done. Opening song back to school, which goes on far too long, was actually sung by the Four Tops. Yeah. So that's that's great, but. The song goes on far too long, and it's really repetitive. Uh, so far, Jen, our um, problems are sort of aligned. <laughs> so what is your third problem, then? Okay, so it is and it isn't a problem. So, But then that is a problem. Okay, so my problem, one of my biggest problems with Greece is that at the end, she has to change for him, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then... In this movie, he has to change for her. Mm-hmm. It didn't bug me that he had to change for her, but then that in itself bugs me because it's a double standard. Ah. Ah. But can I counterpoint that? Okay. He wants to change for her. He's doing it on his own. He's He wants to do it. She, he's not getting pressured into doing it. I guess so, but it's... He's the one that, that does the bike thing. He's the one that does the cool rider. Mm-hmm. He's the one that dresses up. He does it all himself. I'll give you that, but it still sucks that, like, he feels like he has to completely change and, and like, can't even... Like, you know, he has a whole song where he's like, yo, does she even like me? Or does she just, like... Yeah. This guy I'm pretending to be, like, the, the charade. Like, yeah. the fact that he considers it a charade means it's not really him. Yeah. And what I wish is that there had been a little more in the movie that showed her liking Michael for him. Yeah. That, like, her whole... Because her whole struggle is, like... In Cool Rider, she sings a song about wanting to be with a guy on a motorcycle. But there's also this whole stupid thing where, like, the pink ladies have to be with T-Birds. Yeah. Um, I would love to see more conflict of her actually liking Michael, but then she can't be with him because he's not a T-Bird, which then it's still problematic mm-hmm. that, like, he has to be for her to be with him. Yeah. I wish there'd been a little more of that because in the end, she's like, I like both guys. Yeah. But we didn't see as much of that in the movie. No, you're right. You're right. But I but- I felt like if my problem with Greece is that she has to change it feels like that should also be my problem with this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't think he really. I don't think he really has to change mm-hmm. though, because school's finishing, and then there'll no longer be pink ladies and T-birds. Yeah, I think he was also doing it to try and, you know, show that he could be cool and he could be not just this British guy that gets called Shakespeare mm-hmm. because of his accent and blah 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 and. It's called a nerd because he's smarter than all the T-Birds because all the T-Birds are fucking idiots. <laughs> they really are. That did amuse me. No, it's good. I like the fact that they are all idiots and it's like they're not cool. Yeah. 
but that's also that was my third problem was the whole pink lady having to date uh, T-Birds bullshit mm-hmm. because none of those guys are dateable yeah and I assume that's the joke but it's it's still like you've got these I mean you've got Stephanie who is actually she's cool in her own right right mm-hmm. right right um, because she doesn't even wear a pink jacket most of the time. Yeah. She's doing her own thing, and and she's the one that says, "I don't need, I don't need them. I just don't need the guys. I just, I just want someone else who's better than these four fucking douchebags." But I think I might change my problem because it's getting too aligned with your problems. <laughs> right? Okay, so I'll just change it to. I'm genuinely surprised that Michael doesn't have every single girl in school after him. Right? Yeah, because he's an attractive man. He's an attractive man, man, and then he's he's British in America, and and Mm -hmm. Americans love the accent. Um, Mm -hmm. He looks nice in a sweater. Women love a Mm -hmm. sweater. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post yesterday where I I have to share it every year when I see it in my memories, the the post with uh, Chris Evans and sweaters. And I don't know if you saw in the comments, (laughs) I actually posted a picture of his, or in the original comments, there's a picture of his (laughs) dog who is wearing a sweater very much like his sweater from Knives Out, (laughs) which is fantastic. Yeah, because, I mean, a couple of girls say, oh, he's cute, Mm -hmm. but then that's it. But you would think that, like... You would think that they would all be throwing themselves He's at him. He's the most attractive guy in the movie. He's the most attractive guy in the movie. Like, I don't I don't get it. The minute he walks off that bus, all those girls should have been going, oh, who's that? And then swarming around about him. Now <laughs> that I've seen this, I get why all those middle-aged women in uh, Empire Records were big fans of him. Because mm-hmm. he's so cheesy in the movie, right? With, like, his clothes and everything. But, like, he had yeah. earlier in his life been uh, a heartthrob and in this yep. movie i'm like oh i see that <laughs> i mean he's not exactly i mean he's not ugly in empire records no, he's, it's, it's just, just that he's cheesy because he's it's the clothes he's and the playing hair. it up you know it's the I mean? clothes and the hair yeah 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 yeah. he's playing it up in empire records because he's he's you know basically taking the piss out of himself as a heartthrob God, which is great i really um, want to watch empire records right now <laughs> It's a perfect movie. Never pick it. Um, so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my. I changed my third problem to. He's he's too attractive to be just like this nerd. And, yeah. Um. Yeah. Even um, even I notice it. Mm-hmm. It's like he is a good looking yeah. man. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Can I tell you the one piece of trivia I wanted to share? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, out of all the trivia I've read for all the movies we've done, for some reason, this one is one of the most interesting to me. Okay. Um, original plans were for this to be the second installment of a franchise of four movies and a TV series. Right. When the movie flopped, plans for a franchise were thrown out. Disney ended up adapting the unused script for the third movie, which became High School Musical. Oh, really? High School Musical is the third Grease movie. Um, uh, That is interesting to me. That is interesting to me. No, no, no. If it's true, then that's interesting. Well, it's so funny because if it had come out in the 80s, it probably would have flopped like this, right? Yeah. But it came out in 2006 as its own movie, and it was huge. Mm Mm-hmm. That movie was huge like for a tv movie well it was yeah it was so incredibly popular and there were three movies and a and a tv show and the that's so fascinating to me so positives did you find one yes my positive is pamela adlon right pamela adlon was dolores she was 14 Mm -hmm. at the time and she is cute as hell 
Um, I think she's really funny. I really enjoyed her scenes. Um, I know that she had a bigger storyline that got cut out, and that sucks. She also, during filming, got in a car accident, a really bad car accident. So there were some Aww. scenes she couldn't be in because she was bedridden. But And I'm a huge Pamela Adlon fan already. Um, but I didn't realize that was her at first. Um, I, right. I went on IMDb after her first scene or two, and that's where I saw that it was her. I love her. She did a show called Better Things, um, which she wrote and directed and starred in, and it's fucking fantastic. And, mm -hmm. um, it's so funny. Like, she's been an actor forever, like almost her entire life. Yeah. But I only really became aware of her with, um, Louis. Mm -hmm. And now I watch things and it's like she pops up all over the place. Like, I watched Say Anything again, um, a few months ago. And there she was in a bunch of scenes. She's a nut, is she? Yeah. And she's one of, one of John Cusack's friends. I, I really, really like Dolores. I think she's really fun. Mm -hmm. I love her little pigtails and her skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's my positive yeah she's credited as pamela pamela siegel here oh she is she is yeah the twins in this movie were played by liz and jean uh, liz and jean seagal and they're the sisters of katie seagal from married of children all right <laughs> so there you go uh well my positive i have to ask you a question jen mm -hmm. did the makers of Grease 2 sneak a feminist movie out in 1982. Maybe. Because this, this movie is a lot more female positive than the previous movie. Yes. Yes, it is. Stephanie is like the anti-Sandy. She doesn't need a guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, she falls for the cool rider, but that's because that is her ideal of a man. Yeah. But she's tough and she knows what she wants and, you know, she's not going to change for anyone and that's great. Yeah, and it was directed by a woman. And it was directed by a woman, yeah. Which is still rare. Yeah, absolutely. Which you'd, you'd like to think that uh, Hollywood will learn a lesson from Barbie, but I bet you they won't. No. You'll get a couple of movies coming out that are directed by women. They'll flop and then people will say, see, no one wants to see movies directed by women and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah rinse and repeat all the fucking time for the rest of time. They seem to forget all the movies that flop that are directed by men. Yeah. But Most movies that flop are directed by men, so maybe men shouldn't direct movies. Yeah, exactly. Men shouldn't. Just, just I don't know, let dogs do it or something. Some of the women in this, I can't remember the name, the one that the one that what's his face that the, the uh, Adrian Zamed, the girl that he always wants to be with to try and make Stephanie jealous. Mm-hmm. The blonde one, and he ends up with her at the end. Can't remember her name. But even she, like, gives him a piece of her mind saying, you know, don't treat women that way, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. the, the girl who's played by Lucy Lane from Supergirl almost gets seduced by the guy in the bunker, but then she mm -hmm. walks out in him, and that's great, because they didn't go... I mean, if this was original Grease movie, they probably would have had sex. Mm -hmm. That would have worked. This time round, nope, T-Birds aren't cool. T-Birds aren't... Um, physically appealing it's just they're following a stupid fucking rule that t-birds and pink ladies have to date mm -hmm. it's it's dumb but um but yeah i think this movie's feminist yeah the in the woman who played paulette um that's judy garland's stepdaughter right and you know she tries to be like marilyn monroe in the movie and marilyn monroe mm -hmm. actually visited her house a bunch when she was a kid oh really so it's a little fun fact for you but yeah that's Liza minnelli's stepsister do you agree with me that, that uh, this is more feminist yeah no i do i do and it's it's interesting because i think that when i watch stuff from the 60s 70s early 80s whatever um i've noticed that 
things are a lot more progressive mm-hmm. than we tend to think they are. And it's like in the 80s, like maybe it was Reagan, I don't know. But in the 80s, we seem to start to go backwards a little. Mm-hmm. And or really a lot. This is a movie that like we're going back towards this today. And especially Barbie is not as subtle as this movie <laughs> with its feminism. Barbie, it, it, the feminism's <laughs> in your face, which I'm not complaining about. I love that movie. But yeah, yeah I agree with you. And I... I blame Reagan for us not having a lot more feminist movies shortly after this. As <laughs> yeah. I, especially teen movies. Like, teen movies... Like, is this the same year as Fast Times Ridgemont High? Mm-hmm. And Fast Times Ridgemont High um, was pretty progressive. Mm-hmm. And then you get to John Hughes, who is not very progressive at all. No. I was watching the movie and I was like, I'd heard that Grease 2 was morally better than, um, than the original movie. But I didn't expect it to be like this. I didn't expect it to be, uh, you know what? Women are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely, when I watched Grease, like, and I think when I was younger, I didn't totally recognize why I didn't like it, that I didn't like the messages of it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, the way that the women are portrayed and, and the fact that she has to change at the end, I don't think I understood exactly why that bothered me so much. Um, like I do now watching this, it's like, I didn't love it, but mm-hmm. I also didn't feel icky watching it. And I yeah. realized that's kind of how I felt watching the first one is I just, I didn't feel good when it was over, but this mm-hmm. movie, I would definitely be way more likely to watch it than Greece. Yeah. You didn't feel bad. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. And I, it's so funny because when I was watching it, I wasn't super into it. And I kept like pausing it and doing other things. But Mm -hmm. in the end, and I I do think part of this is reading the oral history and stuff and finding out more about it and seeing people actually point out the good parts about it. I'm like, oh, I actually like this a lot better in retrospect. Like, does that ever happen to you where you watch a movie and you like it better after watching it than you do while watching it? Does that make sense? Yeah, because you think about it more after you've watched it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's things in it that, like maybe you're not thinking about it at the time, but then after the movie, you're like, wait a minute. No, that part was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. There's also movies where you do the opposite of that, where you just forget about it as soon as you watch it. Yeah, I've had plenty of movies that I really enjoyed and I completely forget about their existence. And then like years later, it'll get mentioned somewhere and I'm like, oh, wait, I saw that. And I, I did like that, but I yeah. never once thought about it again. And this one, well, I think part of the problem is when I'm watching a musical, sometimes it does feel a little cringy. I like I felt very cringy at the beginning of the movie when they're bursting into song and when we first see Michelle yeah. Piper because there is there is and I think it's it's more movie musicals because that doesn't happen to me when I watch musicals on stage but there's something in movie musicals where I start to get a little uncomfortable unless it's something that I already know the music from that I like already you know enjoy mm-hmm. I I start to get a little uncomfortable and I'm like doesn't everybody feel silly <laughs> you know well. That's the thing where the difference, obviously, is with stage musicals, they're actually singing it live. Yeah, that's true. Movie musicals are all miming, and here they're miming very, very badly a lot of the time. I'll just go back to one of my problems, and it's like during the, the, the incredibly dull solo that Michael has called Charades, um, it jumps between him not moving his lips, mm-hmm. um, like it's his internal monologue, internal thoughts, to him singing in the open. But nothing changes. The music doesn't change. His, the way he sings doesn't change. is exactly the same. Initially, it just looks like Maxwell Caulfield actually forgot to move his lips along with the track at the beginning. Yeah. It's very confusing. I didn't like that. Yeah. And also, it kind of breaks 
musical roles with the Cool Rider song because there's backing singers that we don't see. I'm not a huge fan of movie musicals, to be fair. This is only the mm-hmm. second one we've done, um, I think, is it? Bugsy Malone in this. I don't think we've covered any other musicals. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do. I also just want to add, I just saw Book of Mormon a couple weeks ago, and that is delightful. Right. It would have been more delightful to me 10 or 15 minutes ago in my... Or 10 or 15 minutes ago. 10 or 15 years ago when my... uh Humor was a little more crass and offensive. Mm-hmm. Now some of the jokes were made me feel a little uncomfortable because I do not have that that South Park sense of humor anymore. No. That and that's the other thing is like watching a musical like this that isn't as good in a year where mm-hmm. I've actually seen several musicals live <laughs> that I very much enjoyed. Yeah. That makes it worse. It's kinda like um like I really liked Legally Blonde the musical, but I saw it about a month after I watched Hamilton twice on stage. Mm-hmm. And Hamilton has this, like, huge, elaborate, like, beautiful set. And it's just such a huge production. And then the Legally Blonde sets are so sparse and mm-hmm. everything. Like, it felt it felt like going from, like, a Broadway production to, like, a little, like, high school production. And yeah. not to say anything bad about it. It was very good. But just you don't want to go see, like, Legally Blonde the musical right after seeing Hamilton. And it's kind of like seeing this movie two weeks after I see Book of Mormon, which also has some some more elaborate sets and stuff like that. It's like that show was better and the songs were better. Guess how many professional musicals I have seen in my life? How many? One. What was it? Wicked. Ah, that's a good one. That <laughs> was great. That's a good one. Sort in London. Yeah, I I am hoping that uh, I get a job before Jagged Little Pill comes here because I would really like to see Jagged Little Pill, but I shouldn't buy tickets right now while I'm not working. I've seen uh, an amateur production of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. That's about it. That's about it. Uh, and I was in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I don't know why, but we didn't call it Greece. We called it Brill Cream. Maybe it's for legal reasons, because you were doing the movie Maybe. illegally. You didn't actually have the rights to do it. <laughs> yeah, probably, but it was just a high school production. Yeah. It was like... yeah, but they will sue. They will sue for that. Yeah. They won't. They'll get pissed at high schools doing musicals. Yeah, I wish somebody filmed it, though. Uh, we did do a pantomime as well. You know what pantomime is? Mm-hmm. You've been in the UK. For those who don't know, a pantomime is like a... It's a play that we, that people in the UK do every single Christmas for kids and families. Um, and it's usually um, fairy tales like um, like Aladdin or the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and stuff like that. It's usually stuff like that. My dad used to do them. My dad used to be part of uh, the a, a pantomime club okay. in my hometown when I was a kid. And he did a lot of pantomimes. I used to go and watch him performing pantomimes and he was usually like the funny comic relief guy and those kind of and those things and that was great i loved it seeing that and then when i was in high school we did one i can't even remember what it was but we did one uh and we toured the local primary schools mm-hmm. um and we performed for the kids at primary schools on christmas and that was a great experience, but I didn't act in it. Again, it was just all the women acted in it. Mm-hmm. But I was the sound guy. I would play the music and the sound effects and stuff like that. So it was okay. still fun. And pantomimes, with all this, all this bullshit about people like drag, people and drag and everything in the US and people saying that, you know, they shouldn't be near kids and everything. Yeah. They should come to the UK in December. And watch pantomimes because it's like the the evil stepmother or the ugly sisters and all that are all played by men. It's, it's been a tradition in the UK for 
for millennia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it just baffles me when people are saying that drag is evil and everything. We've always had drag, men dressed in drag, doing stuff on UK television since I was a kid. It's always been a thing. Yeah. Nobody bats an eyelid. Well, and it's so funny because, like, right-wingers, I mean, they've always had problems with drag queens and stuff, but I think they're focusing on stuff mm-hmm. like that and, and banning books and stuff more now because they've, they're winning the uh, abortion fight mm-hmm. and they've always relied on that to uh try to try to anger the voters and stuff and get them out there um yeah and so they need other things to be angry about and it's it's ruining everyone's fun because <laughs> most people don't want that but these people are allowed yeah you have rupaul mm-hmm. um but rupaul doesn't do drag anymore he came over here and he did some shows some seasons of drag race uk and the winners of that are even people who ha- who didn't win um, are now celebrities in the UK. Mm-hmm. They do like uh, panel shows and stuff or um, quiz shows, win money for charity and stuff because we do that a lot in the UK. Yeah, it, it just baffles me because <laughs> over here it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just. I think I think our um, conservative politicians and stuff are just looking for new things to get really angry about since they've made yeah abortion practically illegal in a lot of states and they've taken down Roe mm-hmm. and that was kind of like I, I I've always wondered like how many politicians are actually upset that they've been winning because they've been running on that for so long and then they can't <laughs> they can't use it the way they were before yeah and so now they have to get mad about about drag queens and about certain books and yeah. and then it's so great because then you go into like any bookstore in town right now and you're going to find a banned books section because people want to read the banned books. My child is 10 and he is drawn to the banned book section. <laughs> and and we had to tell him like you're a little young for all these, not because of content but just cuz just the re- yeah, reading, reading level. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of notes before we go. Uh, but they're very brief. It takes 10 minutes between the first two songs. Yeah. I was like, is this actually a musical? Because once Back to School finishes, it takes 10 minutes. The best thing about the the, the, the opening scene, the opening dance number, uh, Back to School, is when it finishes and the guy just runs. He doesn't go in the door. He runs and dives <laughs> into the window. I loved that. That was quite fun. That was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a line that I liked. There's a couple, but like there was a line that I liked where Michael asked Stephanie if she's free on Friday, and she says, I'm free every day, it's in the Constitution. <laughs> um, I thought that was quite funny, because the way she delivered it, it just felt like something that she just, it just popped into her head, because mm-hmm. she gives a wee laugh after it, like, oh, I just said something funny. <laughs> um, I liked that, that was a good natural performance. But when the guys are in the, the locker room, in the shower room, and they're watching the other guys that are singing the song, mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're planning on stealing their jackets later at the talent show, uh, we see them, the, the T-Birds all lift their heads up above the, the lockers. The, one of the guys is really, really tiny. Mm-hmm. So you can see the faces of three of the guys, but the other guy, you only see the top of his head, like his, his hair. Mm-hmm. And I found that very funny because they don't bring it up. It's never mentioned. They don't make a joke about it. Mm-hmm. You don't see him trying to jump up or anything. You just see the top of his head. And I thought that was very funny, very clever joke. Um... I think that's all of my notes. Oh, this is rated 9 plus on Paramount Plus in the UK. Okay. Didn't know that was a thing. Oh, no. One last note. Adrian Zemed 
played Danny Zuko in the stage version of Grease. At the time that this movie was released, he was on the TV show TJ Hooker with William Shatner. Okay. As a cop. So, there you go. And that's all my notes. So, Jen, do you remember what we're covering next? Yes. This is your pick. Yes, yes. The Boy Who Could Fly. <laughs> the Boy Who Could Fly from 1986, I think. I think it's... We're, we're going back to 1986 mm. with uh, Cobra and... What was the other one? The Golden Child. Yeah. And now we're doing The Boy Who Could Fly from the same year. That's all we have time for. If you'd like to follow the podcast, um, it's Shifty Bench Pod on Fred's. I'm not even going to say the other one. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to call it anything besides Twitter. Yeah. I refuse. Yeah. Shiftybench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address. Uh, can people follow you online, Jeff? I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Um, I still get notifications Twitter. from it. I will... Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I'll respond if I get it's notifications. It's not called anything else. But I, yeah, I need, to, I need to check out threads and whatever else is out there. Thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.